Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. So I had a friend that I used to work with, and uh, when she told this story, she was wearing a necklace that had like a vintage Coca-Cola logo or, you know, that kind of thing on the necklace. And somebody had just commented on it, and she just lit up, and she said, oh my goodness, you guys. Okay, she said. Now, she'd been married uh, not, she'd been married for a while, but not super long, like two or three years married, something like that. And she said, my in-laws keep getting me Coca-Cola stuff. My in-laws get me necklaces, bracelets, things to put around the house that said that and I don't know how they got it in their heads. She said, I mean, you know, I guess I like Coke all right. <laughs> but somehow they think I love Coca-Cola stuff and so now that's all they ever get me. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how stories like that develop? And you know, sometimes they start with a nugget of truth. You know, maybe, maybe when she was dating her husband, she tried to uh, uh, make small talk with her in-laws and commented on a Coca-Cola or something. So like maybe there's a nugget of truth in the kinds of stories that develop, or maybe they involve some social awkwardness, that one's pretty likely, or, or, or ignorance or something like that. But before you know it, a simple I like Coke becomes your entire jewelry collection. <laughs> now in the broadest sense, This is the story of the present age, right? Politics has especially become about telling stories, about making up stories, whether true or very much false. Social media means that a story can grow and change far faster than ever before uh, and are believed a little bit too easily. Well, today I want to talk about the stories we tell about ourselves, but I want to be a little more subtle than maybe Coca-Cola necklaces. I want to talk about the stories that slip under the radar, but the stories that shape everything. You know, we're doing this series right now on shame. It's a three-week series, not, not a long one, I suppose, but one that's highly transformative. Like just writing the sermons uh, uh, has changed the way I hold some of uh, my past that I hang on to. Last week, we talked about the big things, the things that we've done that we're not proud of uh, and how we can give them to God and let them go. If you missed it, go look it up. It's, it's in the app. You can check it there or on our website or the podcast or other places. But today, rather than talk about things that we've done, today I want to talk about a more subtle form of shame, the kind of shame that comes from the stories we tell about ourselves. Okay, so what are some of the stories we tell about ourselves? Well, when we're young, we try on all sorts of stories. Uh, for me, I, I, I've said this before, I remember when I was in college, uh, I knew, I just knew that I was born to be an orchestra conductor. And I went through a long period when I was a music major of studying scores. I would put on CDs, you know CDs, those little discs that had music on them? Yeah. Uh, I would put on CDs of of Mahler and Brahms and I would have the score in front of me and I would practice conducting it and I would get to know all the little bits and pieces that were going. I just knew that's uh, what I was born to be. Leave it to me to pick a, uh, a, 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 a career with low employability, I say looking over at some of our band, <laughs> and choose the least employable option among them. <laughs> Never mind that. Now, my, my first real job then was as a meteorologist. And I, and I tried that story on for a while. Now, many couldn't believe that I had a, a, such a great rocket-fast start to a career that I seemed to be very good at, I suppose I was, And then I left it 
to go become a pastor in a small town. (laughs) But they didn't know how much that story didn't fit me. But I want to get even more subtle than that kind of story that we tell about ourselves. I want to go below even that. Have you ever been called the quiet one? Have you ever been called the fun one, the class clown? Have you ever been called a social butterfly? Have you ever been called a loner? Or what about untrustworthy? Or maybe wonder kid? You know, another side of the coin. Wonder kid with a pressure that you can't live up to. Oh, we could go on all day about the kinds of labels that we tend to collect as we grow uh, from uh, our parents and those older than us to our peers to those younger than us. These kinds of labels get put on us. These kind of stories develop about us. And sometimes these stories are a little bit true. But even when they're only kind of true, they still don't capture all of who we are. But I want to make the argument today that all of these stories lead nowhere good. Let's take those last two that I said as an example. So untrustworthy. Now, it's easy to figure out where the shame comes from with a a label like untrustworthy, right? If if you get labeled as the untrustworthy one, the one uh, who's not truthful enough or whatever it may be, well, that begins to invalidate anything good that you may have to offer. Anything of, of value that you want to put out there then gets doubted even though it's good and even though it's true. All our ideas of an untrustworthy person are assumed wrong with no chance to prove otherwise. And if we start to believe that story of untrustworthiness about ourselves, well, then we start to invalidate our own ideas. We start to doubt our own worth. And the shame becomes unbearable. Now, the good news here is that this story can't be absolutely fully true about anyone, can it? Now, that's like a negative label, right? Untrustworthy. But let's take one that's intended to be good. Let's take one that's intended to be a positive story and look deeper in it. Let's take Wonder Kid and see where it leaves. Now, this one's sneakier in the way the shame begins to slip in. But sometimes you'll hear about people, oh, you will be a great doctor. You'll be such a great lawyer. You're going to go out and you're going to change the world. You're going to be so successful and happy. This story comes with kind of a, a thin veneer, right? When others believe it about uh, believe uh, when others believe it about us, it puts expectations on us that nobody could live up to. Now, often these kinds of stories assume a direction for our life that isn't right, that isn't a good fit. You know, like me being a meteorologist, having a, a, a rocket fast start to that career, as I think I said it a minute ago. It assumes a direction that isn't right, or, or at least not complete. If lots of people believe it about you, then it only takes one mistake to fall from grace. And if you believe that story about yourself, that Wonder Kid story, if you believe it about yourself, then everything you do has to live up to your own expectations and you judge yourself harshly. You know you're imperfect deep down. And so every insecurity, every hint of imposter syndrome, every tiny mistake becomes a source of, wait for it, shame. So see, even the good stories we tell about ourselves and about others, in the end, are only partial. 
And in the end, I believe they all lead to shame. You know, anyone who's lived for more than a little while has collected stories about themselves. They've collected these kinds of partially true but mostly untrue stories about themselves. And none of the stories you've collected about yourself are fully true. Now that's a big statement, I'm gonna say it again, okay? None of the stories you've collected about yourself are fully true. Now hopefully, as you've grown, you've weeded out the less true ones and you've uh, nurtured the more true ones. But still I say it, none of the stories you've collected about yourself are fully true. And if none of them are fully true, that means all of them contain at least a little shame. The only way to find a story about you that is fully true is to go big, is to go bigger than any of us, bigger than shame itself. In fact, I'd say it like this. The only story about you that's fully true is the one that comes from God. Now, I had a hard time picking scripture for this week because this is one of those messages that's woven throughout all of scripture. So how do you narrow it down? How do you find it in a nutshell? And I'm gonna end the sermon today with one from a psalm. But I keep coming back to Isaiah 43.1 that Bill read for us earlier. One verse, that's all, but so much contained within it. In fact, as I read it for you again, I want to put it up on the screen behind me and I want to pick apart the words a little bit, but listen to it first. But now, says the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. Okay, quick little Old Testament lesson here, okay? Usually, when you see Jacob and Israel, well, if you go back early enough, you'll get the actual stories of Jacob and Israel. However, when you see, it in the, when you see those names in the prophets, what they're referring to are God's children. In fact, if you wanted to just translate it or paraphrase it in your mind to God's children, you could do worse than that. It's referring to the descendants of Jacob, the descendants of Israel, you know, the, uh, the, the, the people of God and said in kind of a poetic way, right? That's what that's referring to. So what does it say to the children of God that I think we can include ourselves among, but now says the Lord, the one who created you. In other words, it's a reminder that I created you, children of God. I formed you, children of God. Now, do you see the difference between created and forms? God started this story of our life out. God was there in the beginning, but God didn't go away because forming is different than creating. Forming is what happens over time. Forming is what happens as we grow, as the stories begin to collect around us. The truth is that inside of them all, God is shaping us into something else. So God is the one who created us. God is the one who forms us. And then don't fear for I have redeemed you. I have taken those parts of you that are less true. I have taken those parts of you that don't measure up and I have transformed them into something good. I have called you by name. You are mine. Do I even need to say more about that line? But now, says the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, 
don't fear for I have redeemed about, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is the story that is true of each of us, all of us. And this is a story which can shape everything. Now, a theologian would point out that what we're really talking about here is baptism. What we're really talking about is the powerful reminder and act that we do when we enter into the faith of dying to our old self, of being raised to new life as a Christian, of claiming the story that is true about us. Baptism is what we're really talking about. But we still have to ask the question, how do we untangle a a lifetime of bad stories? Even as we live into the story that God gives to us, how do we untangle the things we've believed about ourselves over the years? Now, if you have a big one, then you should probably name it. You should probably talk to those who impose it on you, if you can, and try to let it go. But I'm going to be honest, I don't think there's any way we can unravel the whole collection of stories about ourselves that we've picked up over the years. And so how good is it that God includes redemption as part of our identity? You know, rather than worry about all the labels that are untrue about you, instead, I would say concentrate on that which is. Lean into it. Think about your baptism. Remember it. Remember that God made you, that God made you good. Remember that you do not need to do in order to be loved, in order to be accepted, in order to be made whole by God. Remember often that you are God's and let God's story about you dominate over all the others until there's nothing left but the story of God, of how God made you and called you to be. And watch how God transforms everything else you've believed about yourselves over the years. And there's a valuable reminder right there. You know, you can ask any of our staff here, there are a few things I insist on when it comes to the front of the church. One is that we always have a cross somewhere, but the other is that this baptismal font always be in view. There have been times, you know, during the children's musicals or things like that where we've said, you know, that baptismal font is really in the way. Can we just put it in another room this Sunday? And I say, no, I exaggerate. They don't say it quite that bluntly in part because they know I'll say no. (laughs) But it's a reminder, right? It needs to be here so that whenever we come in, whenever we're waiting for church to start, whenever the sermon gets a little boring and our eyes start to wander, it has a place to land to remind us who we are, to remind us that we are God, to remind us that the other stories we tell about ourselves are not the whole truth. But this story is that it is God who made us. And so let it be a reminder to you. And one other thing I'd say is to be aware of the stories that you assume about others. Because while we're mostly talking about ourselves today, the truth is we've all labeled others too. We've all thought of others as untrue or, one, or as untrustworthy or wonder kid or you know, any of those others that I mentioned. And so be aware of it. And just as God reminds you who you are, Be careful that you're not buying Coca-Cola knickknacks for someone else. Be careful that you're not assuming something that's only partially true about someone in your life and instead try to see them with God's eyes no matter where they are on the journey themselves. 
you may be the one to whom they're drawn in it. Now, I want to give God the last word here, or at least an ancient faithful songwriter in the Psalms whose words about God have echoed through thousands of years and who've proven true again and again. And I want to give Psalm 139 the last word today. Lord, you have examined me. You know me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. Even from far away, you comprehend my plans. You study my traveling and resting. You are thoroughly familiar with all my ways. There isn't a word on my tongue, Lord, that you don't already know completely. You surround me front and back. You put your hand on me. That kind of knowledge is too much for me. It's so high above me that I can't reach it. Where could I go to get away from your spirit, God? Where could I go to escape your presence? If I went up to heaven, you would be there. If I went down to the grave, you would be there too. If I could fly on the wings of dawn, stopping to rest only on the far side of the ocean, even there, your hand would guide me. Even there, your strong hand would hold me tight. If I said the darkness will definitely hide me, the light will become night around me, Even the darkness isn't too dark for you. Nighttime would shine bright as day because darkness is the same as light to you. You, God, are the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.